uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about money, and uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, how, some of uh, Jesus's thoughts on money, and uh, we're going to come from uh, Mark chapter ten. Now, sort of to set this uh, this passage up that we're about to read, uh, Mark chapter ten is in a section of Mark where there's a real testing of disciples. Uh, when I say testing, I mean that uh, he has given them uh, he has given them some uh, uh, some he he's given them some signs along the way, and he is. He has demonstrated his power. He's demonstrated his authority by the miracles that he does and, uh, and the teachings that he gives. But uh, in, in Mark chapter 8, he starts talking in a different language. He starts talking about that the Son of Man has to suffer and to die and on the third day be raised again. Uh, you probably remember that story in Mark chapter 8 because Peter... <laughs> Peter actually takes him aside and said, oh, no, 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 Jesus, that's not going to happen. And he has to tell even Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. Uh, nobody wants to accept that this all-powerful being is actually going to suffer and die. But he's actually going to tell him that three times. And so during this section uh, where that those three different times are interspersed in this section, uh, during this time, they are trying to, they're getting a new realization of who Jesus is, that he's not just a powerful one, but Jesus is someone who is humbly going to go to a cross. And they may have seen some awesome things from Jesus in the past, powerful miracles and heard powerful words, but that's not going to be the most powerful uh, thing that they see from Jesus. The most powerful thing they will see is when he goes on the cross and is at his weakest. So again, this section from Mark chapter 8 through Mark chapter 10 is a section where the disciples are being tested. Can you accept this suffering kind of Jesus? And so one of the testing stories is in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. Uh, many of you will recognize this story as the, the story of the rich young ruler, uh, the young man who comes to Jesus and has a lot of good things going for him, but uh, uh, he's got something that he's holding on to that he needs to let go of. Uh, let, me, let me bring that up here. And so he's got, we're going to start reading in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Uh, how about, let's see, who do we have here? Hey, Cindy, would you mind reading Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 19? 17 to 19. Okay. Yeah. And you know. No, Jesus started. Huh? Jesus started to leave. Jesus started to leave. But a man ran to him and bowed down on his knees before him. The man asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get the life that never ends? Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. 
and you know his comments. You must not murder anyone. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not lie. You must not cheat. You must respect your father and mother. And David, uh, the next uh, few verses, uh, verses 20 through 22, would you read? Uh, yeah. The man said, teacher, I have obeyed all these commands since I was a boy. Jesus looked at the, man, at the man in a way that showed how much he cared for him. He said, there is still one thing you need to do. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man was upset when Jesus told him to give away his money. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich. So he went away sad. Thank you. One of my favorite parts of this passage is when, uh, one of my favorite parts of this passage is when it says about Jesus that he looks at the man, uh, at some of the versions say, and loved him. Or as we just read in that easy to read version, uh, he looks as if he cares about him. Isn't that a beautiful statement? I, I think that's very important to what we're discussing here because Jesus is not uh, giving this teaching to this man uh, because he's angry with him. Uh, he's not teaching this man uh, because this man is frustrating to him. He's asking this man to do something very difficult for the reason that he loves him. Uh, that's an important thing in the, in the book of Mark. Uh, you can see it several times where Jesus, as the son of God, has a divine vision about people. And, and uh, such as he, he knows, uh, like, a, like Mark chapter two, uh, where that man who is brought by his friends, the man who is paralyzed, and he's brought by his friends to Jesus and lowered down through the roof. And it says there, when Jesus saw his faith, and then after Jesus forgives his sins, uh, he, the Pharisees start grumbling behind him. And, and they're not grumbling loud enough for Jesus to hear. But it, it says that Jesus, he, he knew what they were saying. He, he, he has this divine vision. And this divine hearing, oh, I don't think it's like Superman or anything like that. I, I, I think it's that he sees people's hearts. And even more than that, he sees people's value. And, and so when he looks at this man, he sees this man as someone who needs to be loved. I just think that that is a powerful statement of who Jesus is. Uh, he sees people through the eyes of love. And because he sees this man through the eyes of love, Jesus knows exactly what he lacks. Anybody else looking at this man would have seen a very obedient man, uh, someone who kept the law of God, uh, someone who kept the traditions of his people, uh, someone who loved his family, and someone, because of his wealth, uh, 
that they would have looked at him and said, oh, he must be very much blessed by God. God must be very approving of who he is. But Jesus, because he has the sight uh, like God does, he knows exactly what this man lacks. Uh, he lacks, <laughs> he lacks, uh, uh, he's suffering from an idolatry. And idolatry uh, that is in love with stuff. No one else can see this, but Jesus can. You know, I, just as a side note here, I, I wonder, uh, you know, I think it's a good question sometimes. If Jesus really looked at me, what would he see? That's a tough question to ask sometimes, but I think it's necessary. Uh, what would he see? I, you know, Personally, I would love for him to see my accomplishments. Uh, I, I would love for him to see the things that I've devoted myself to. Um, but I think he would also see, because he loves me, he would also see what's holding me back. And he would want to address it. I'm so, I'm so thankful that I get to hear and see this Jesus at work. He sees this man with love and wants this man to experience everything he can possibly experience. And so he tells him, you need to go sell your stuff and give it to the poor. When I hear he addresses something that, uh, that, that, that man was not the only one who needed, to, needed it to be addressed. We all need to address our interaction with stuff. Uh, our interaction with wealth. Uh, wealth is an interesting topic in the scriptures. <clears throat> in, uh, when we think about scriptures, uh, one scripture that, uh, when I, uh, the scriptures are, are really tough about wealth. And uh, they present us with a predatory nature of what wealth is. I think sometimes we think, oh, money, it's just neutral. It's just lying there. Uh, our stuff, our reputation, uh, anything that, uh, our accomplishments, anything good that we have, it, it's just laying there. And it, it, it's a neutral object. But, but the scripture has it, like I said, describes money, wealth, stuff, as almost a, a, an animal that's coming after us. I think we need to take that to heart. And this man needed to take it to heart as well. Uh, is Anthony on there? Anthony, could you read this uh, passage, Matthew 6, 24? You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be the loyal to the one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. Well, that's a fascinating scripture. I, I sort of at the end expect him to say, you cannot serve God and the devil at the same time. That's not what he says here, though. The competition in Matthew 6, uh, and it's a competition. Matthew 6 is, a, is all about not worrying, uh, not, not allowing the pursuit of, of food or clothing or wealth uh, to get in your way. You cannot serve both God and stuff. At the same time, there's a real competition there that we have to be aware of. Uh, let's see, is Julian there? 
Uh, Julian, could you read 1 John chapter 2, verse 16? This is all there uh, is in the world wanting to ple please our sinful selves, wanting and the, the sinful things we see and being too proud of what we have, but none of these comes from the Father, they come from the world. Ah, thank you so much. Uh, these don't come from the Father. They come from the world. And so there's a real competition going on there. And how do we avoid getting into wealth's trap? Uh, how do we avoid getting the things, our, the trap of our desires? Or uh, other versions would say our lusts. Uh, how do we avoid the temptation of pride with the things that we have? And I'd like to give three things uh, that, that are helpful to me in uh, thinking about wealth. Uh, first of all, is just to rely on the power of God. Um, yeah, this is a humble, a humble place uh, where we say God is the one who's going to provide. But it's even more than that. In this competition that God has with wealth, and oftentimes wealth, stuff, accomplishments, reputation, uh, the things we take pride in, our battle against those things, it, we are going to have to rely on God's power to help us there. Uh, listen to not what the man did. He went away sad because he had great wealth. But listen to the struggle of the disciples. This is not just the man's struggle. Uh, this, is, uh, this is everyone's struggle. Uh, let's see, is uh, John, John Fung, is he there? Did he read these verses here? Mark 10, 23 to 25. Then Jesus looked at his followers and said to them, it will be very hard for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. The followers were amazed at what Jesus said, but he said again, my children, it is very hard to enter God's kingdom. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Keep reading there. Two more verses. Yeah, oh. uh, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. The followers were even more amazed and said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, that is something people cannot do, but God can. He can do anything. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I love that the disciples are just as confused about this as that man was when he ran off. Uh, they, they're, they're just struggling with this, saying they're amazed at what Jesus said. How can you say that about a rich person? Isn't a rich person blessed by God? Uh, they, when Jesus says it's, it's about this uh, easier for a, a, a camel to go through an eye of a needle uh, than for a rich person to be saved, uh, the followers ask, then who can be saved? I mean, they're amazed at what Jesus is saying here. So this is not just one person's problem. Uh, this is everybody's problem. And as a disciple, we are always going to struggle with our relationship, with our stuff with our accomplishments, with the things we take pride in, the things we, we say we own, we're always going to have problems with that. 
And how, how can anyone be saved if this problem is so difficult? Well, you're going to have to rely on God. With God, everything is possible. And he can even help us overcome, uh, overcome our, our allegiance, uh, uh, our allegiance to our stuff. Uh, in, um, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, and I've seen Philippians chapter 4 used in uh, many different things. Uh, you, you probably recognize it as a favorite passage of yours, Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what context does that verse come in? Uh, let's see. Uh, can I get Brian? Can Brian read uh, these two verses? Philippians 4, verses 12 through 13. I know how to live when I am poor and when I have plenty. I've learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation. When I have enough to eat or when I am hungry, when I have everything I need or when I have nothing. Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. Oh, what a powerful verse that is. I mean, how is Paul, a man who has great education, uh, a man who was in a position of real leadership, uh, a man who now uh, that he's been uh, converted by Jesus to walk the Christian walk is, is called an apostle and actually has, uh, has the reputation now of having a, a personal visit from Jesus. He has everything to say that he has authority. What enables him to have, what enables him to have the ability to be satisfied? It's Christ who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. You know, when you, when Jesus, when you come to, to grips with that thing that you lack, uh, here it's the man who lacked uh, he, he lacked a proper perspective on his wealth. Uh, when Jesus looks at you in love and finds that thing that you lack, what is going to be the power that enables you to say, you're right, Jesus, I give this over to you. It's going to be the power of God. So we've got to rely on the power of God. Uh, now, we don't just rely on the power of God. But he gives us even more help in deciding how we can battle this temptation. Uh, in, uh, he continues talking about, uh, in, in this passage, he begins talking about the reward that we're able to have. Let me bring that up. It's, it's good to remember the reward that you're going to have. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Uh, Ed, could you read these three verses? Peter said to Jesus, we left everything to follow you. Jesus said, I can promise that everyone who has left their home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farm for me and for the good news about me will get a hundred times more than they left. Here in this world, they will get more homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms. And with these things, they will have persecutions. But in the world that is coming, they will also get the reward of eternal life. <laughs> I love Peter here. Uh, Peter just opens his mouth. You never know what's going to come out. That's his way of doing things. Uh, Peter's like, hey, we left everything to follow you. My response to Peter 
would have been, Peter, please stop being so stupid. <laughs> Peter, uh, uh, jump on board. Don't you hear what I'm saying? Peter is saying, hey, Jesus, what about my reward? Again, I would expect Jesus to say, hey, don't be so selfish. Why are you always thinking about yourself or something like that? But Jesus doesn't do that. He actually tells Peter, you're right, Peter, you're going to get a reward. Uh, you're going to have a great family. Uh, you're going to get a hundred times more than you left behind. Some of that's going to happen in this world. And when the world that comes, there's going to be eternal life. But also in this world, you're going to have persecutions. He actually names it as part of the reward. Uh, so Jesus doesn't tell Peter, uh, doesn't shut down that desire for reward. He instead reminds them of a generous God. And having confidence in that generous God is going to enable them to have a proper perspective on life with wealth, life with accomplishments, life with position. They're going to have a better uh, perspective there. <clears throat> and then finally, uh, how, do you, how do we avoid the lure of wealth? Put first things first. Seek the kingdom and the blessings will come. Uh, right after he lists all those rewards in the, in the few verses we just read, he then goes on to say, many people who have the highest place now will have the lowest place in the future. And the people who have the lowest place now will have the highest place then. It's as if he's saying here, now, Peter, I've told you about your reward, but don't just chase after a reward. Let's put this all in perspective. Uh, just rely on what God provides. He'll rearrange everything according to his desires you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, let's see, uh, Julie, would you read Matthew 6, verse 33? What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. And he will give you all these other things you need. What you should want most, uh, other versions say there, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We don't have to, worry about our stuff when we put the kingdom in its proper place. Put it first uh, in, put it first in your life and all the other things will take care of themselves. You'll have a proper relationship with whether God blesses you richly with stuff or not. Uh, as we come to the end of our time, uh, I'd like to uh, think about this question of uh, that it's time for all of us to take an accounting of your pursuit for what you have. Uh, this actually happened for me this week. I'll share with you. Uh, uh, I'll share with you uh, uh, what happened with me uh, this week. Uh, we have a, a homeless gentleman that we've befriended in the park. He actually lives in his car. His car is full of stuff. It is packed to, to the, every inch of it is packed with plastic bags and, and old clothes and even trash food containers that he has saved. It, he, ha, he doesn't have hardly anything. He is homeless. 
And yet he's, he's hoarding every scrap of paper that he has. I think sometimes we look at a story like the rich young ruler and say, well, I don't have to worry about that. My balance sheet isn't, I don't have enough of my balance sheet to say that they, uh, that I got to worry about wealth. <laughs> I've seen a homeless guy who struggles with what he has. I tell you who else struggles. I do. Because as I'm helping this guy clean out his car, I'm looking at my watch, wondering how long this is going to take. I'm thinking to myself how disgusting this all is. I'm judging him by the things that I take priority in. I'm frustrated at him because he's taking from me what I find valuable, my time. Who wrestles with their stuff? The things they think that are theirs. Yeah, he does. And I do. And how many other things do we take pride in and say, oh, I'm going to hold on to that and not let it go. And it keeps us from serving the people that God needs us to serve. It keeps us from having everything that the kingdom life desires. And I lose my joy of getting to help somebody uh, get over uh, an addiction that they have because of my own pride. Now, we all wrestle with it. What do we need to let go? Uh, uh, to finish up then, uh, in our just a few more statements here. Your value is found in God's eyes. He looked at this man and loved him. He does the th same thing for you. You do not have to earn his approval. You do not have to pay your way in. You are valuable simply because he loves you. There is nothing more valuable about you than you are a child of God. When we have that, everything else will pale in comparison. And God has more than enough to share with you. He is so very generous. Why do we spend so much time chasing after the things that we think will make us more valuable, more respectable, more accomplished? He has more than enough to share. Why don't we just enjoy what he provides for us? I appreciate you guys uh, letting me share today. And, uh, and may God bless us all as we look introspectively as Jesus does because he loves us. And, uh, and, and may we see what he sees. Yes, the things that find us valuable, that we are loved. But may we also see the things that are holding us back from enjoying the kingdom that he wants to provide for us.